welcome to Rising Tide, the Ocean Podcast. Uh, this is our 13th podcast, and we're joined. You're familiar with Vicki Nichols Goldstein of the Inland Ocean Coalition, who's going to be our new co-host. So hi, Vicki. Hello there. And um, today we're talking with our friend and colleague, Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. Jay's just briefly a marine biologist, a major sea turtle scientist and conservationist, co-founder of Wild Coast and Ocean Revolution, probably best known as the best-selling author of Blue Mind, subtitle, The Surprising Science That Shows How Being Near, In, On, or Underwater Can Make You Happier, Healthier, More Connected, and Better at What You Do. Unfortunately, Jay is also among thousands of our fellow Californians who's now lost his home to our growing wildfires that have been raging out of control in recent years. So first, I want to say how sorry I am for your loss, Jay. And uh, thank you. And um, it's a tough time. Just maybe mm -hmm. let's start there. I mean, you were one of the lightning complex fires that have been raging, have become the second and third largest fires in the state. And even though you're in Davenport, close to the sea, the, the fires just came down your canyon. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think we were among the first houses, homes to, to burn. Uh, and then, of course, thousands of people have lost their property and, uh, and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, have been displaced. Each of these subunits are called a complex, but the entire thing is being called a siege. Uh, and it's the first gigafire, meaning over a million acres in, in California history. Wow. Um, and it was set off, as you know, by this sort of incredible storm that wasn't even, you know, I remember looking at my weather app and it wasn't even on my app to occur. And this storm whipped up because of some pretty hot weather and then this, this front from the south and uh, something like 10,000 dry lightning strikes on um, parched lands and forests. Um, set off over 600 fires. So as a monster of an event, um, and all the firefighters that I've talked to, the veterans have said they, they haven't seen anything like it. So no, I, was, I was at the CZU base to the north and uh, yesterday at the air unit outside Sacramento and all these veteran firefighters who've been at it 20, 25 years say that uh, what was a once in a career fire when they started are now becoming seasonal. You know, this is, this is a lot of them say, I may not know the science of climate change, but I know what I've seen happening in the last few years, particularly are out of control. And, and, and in some ways we're, we're all becoming victims of the kind of, you know, energy and development choices we've made, although some were extreme. I mean, you lost your house. We know Anne Rowley, uh, common friend who had another house just up from you and uh literally this is this is the new reality we're facing with extreme wildfires with intensifying hurricanes but in your case where were you when the fire struck your home well i was at home i was um you know i'll tell you the details just because it actually feels good to share those details for some strange reason so i'll share them i was taping up some of the trim to do some plaster work it's overdue maintenance stuff and uh, you know the blue tape you put down to protect the the wood trim and i was 
Sure. Metic- meticulously uh, launching into that project. And I poured myself a glass of wine and hooked up the Bluetooth speaker and it was late at night. And I thought I'd just do a nice late night work session. And um, obviously I knew there were fires and they're smoky outside, but it was still breathable in the house. And uh, the wine was terrible, so I didn't drink it. Uh, so <laughs> important note uh, in the story. And a um, uh, neighbor came by and said, we're getting out. And uh, you should, too. And I went outside and investigated. And uh, you know, the, the fires were quickly coming down our canyon. Uh, we're both sides of the canyon uh, to our neighbors, the Wilsons to their house. And um, I thought, well, maybe I'll keep doing my tape job and see how it looks in the morning uh, across my mind, um, but realized quickly that that there would be no morning if I stayed, Uh, that my fire extinguishers and my hoses and my boots, I even have a fire helmet from when I was an EMT. And I could pull all that out and uh, I I would be cooked. Uh, There's just no chance. So I got out, grabbed, you know, really grabbed almost nothing, grabbed a duffel bag of stuff, the dog, my daughter Grace's Bluetooth speaker for some reason. And she and, and your wife, they were all away the rest they, of the day. Yeah. Family. So Grace and uh, Dana were the night before had left uh, to get Grace to college. So fortunately, they, in a way, missed out on the whole thing. Um, still haven't seen uh, the destruction, which I think is good. I don't think Grace would have left for college if uh, um, if she had been around. She would have probably just said, I, "I'm staying to help." And so I'm really glad that she's she's studying sustainable design and psychology. So I'm glad she's two very appropriate <laughs> topics. Yeah. yeah, entirely her own by her own design. She she uh, she has a strong background in marine science uh, from her school, but she um, uh, she's a very artistic, creative person. So she's more in interested in design. So I'm very happy that she's fully embedded in her university studies and dealing with COVID and education, uh, but not uh, here dealing with this mess. I think it's safe to say that the events that we are experiencing, each more um, stunning in its destruction than the previous, are unprecedented. And the only thing you can really say is you should expect more unprecedented events and we're not naturally good at pre- preparing for the unprecedented. The fire that uh, took our home is probably going to end up being over 100,000 acres. Recently heard that it's, it's over one quarter of Santa Cruz County is, is burned already. So we'll expect that to go up probably to at least a third of the county. So for a county response and the government and leadership, unprecedented. And it's just, there's just no, no real plan for such a thing. There's not some rainy day or dry day fund, I guess you would call it, fire fund to just say, okay, we got this. And that's the bigger story, I think, is that, you know, we, we, uh, we're just generally un- underprepared, you know. I mean, uh, there, are, there are books that are suge- have suggested for decades that we should be prepared, of course, uh, but we are, you know, woefully un- un- unprepared. And Vicky, I mean, you know, it's also happening out in Colorado. It's, it's a... Uh you know, phenomena across the West with the wildfires now. Yeah, we've had, we've had extreme wildfires as well. And then you, you know, you've kind of couple of that, couple of that with COVID, couple of that with hurricanes. And um, 
there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of trauma right now around our country just with these unprecedented events. It turns out it's in times of crisis, as Vicky said, times of pandemic, times of political strife, times of record-setting anxiety, stress, and depression, by the way, according to the APA, the American Psychological Association. The best tool available to everyone is Blue Mind, the best tool. If we're not talking about it, we're stuck in the 80s, I like to say, which is not a good place to be stuck. And um, you're, you're literally talking about the neuroscience of how our mind connects with water and how water provides. Yeah. Nature broadly, but what we've found is that water, so there's a conversation about green space, so plants, parks, grass, trees. When you add water, when you add a coastline, a lake, a river, a pond, to the green space, it works even better consistently. And I'd like to say, living in Boulder, Colorado, I endorse that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I was just at our at the pool this morning doing my water running, and uh, I try to I try to get around water every day, um, streams, creeks, and so I feel a lot of our folks inland really follow you and love what Blue Mind is all about and living it is is truly or at least experience it and experiencing it and then making the connection because you've made sense of it and that's something that we can really hold on to and connect to and i love reading i i keep your book on my shelf and uh, sometimes i just pick it up just as a reminder that yes it really does makes sense. So you started out as a turtle scientist, then you really became a turtle friend and advocate and helped uh, conserve up, you know, what are today millions of baby turtles thriving in Mexico, thanks to some of your early work. So mm -hmm. maybe just briefly give us some of your background as a uh, marine biologist and marine friend of marine reptiles. Yeah, I, I'd say I fell in love with water at an early age, like many of us did and was looking for a way to um, feed that love of water. So pro surfer, marine biologist, uh, pro surfer was out a hundred percent, not an option. Um, and so I went marine Just biology. Just couldn't shred them enough. Or... <laughs> yeah. my, I like surfing. I'm just not that good. I guess that's probably the short version, but um and so went for the marine biology route and, uh, and I I've always had a love of turtles. So it mm. kind of made sense. And where'd you do your schooling? Uh, I went to uh, DePaul university in Indiana where all great marine biologists go. And then I, Absolutely. Went, on to, <laughs> then I went on to uh, Duke university for my master's, which is actually a place where some uh, of my heroes have gone, including Sylvia, uh, girl. Sylvia Earle, Michael Orbach, lots of good Michael, people. Yeah, lots of great people. Um, and then I went on to the other um, institution of marine science called the University of Arizona. Uh, you know, it's great ocean. Um, but I spent my time. Used, used to be an ocean there. <laughs> used to be an ocean. Spent my time. I met Serge there. He was, uh, his wife was a faculty member at, in, uh, in the geography department. And uh, so I would spend all my weekends and all my breaks 
crossing the border and my old international travel all and headed to the ocean. It wasn't that far away. So, and there were turtles that needed studying and saving in Mexico. So I'm fluent in Spanish. I studied abroad in high school and I majored in Spanish and biology. So um, speaking to people and understanding and learning. I visited every single turtle beach in Mexico uh, back in the early 90s, both coasts um, from Texas uh, to Belize and Guatemala to California. Learned a lot from the Mexican scientists and advocates and uh, tortugueros um, and turtles. And then tried to turn that into an effort to bring uh, the Pacific sea turtles back from the brink, specifically the the black turtle and the Pacific loggerhead, uh, which as you mentioned, has it's been successful. They, They went from critically endangered to downlisted. And now people are saying, what are we doing with all these turtles? So, and a real bottom-up bottom effort. You worked with local fishermen and, and communities and got that level mm-hmm. of engagement. Yeah, we realized early on that two things, you know, um, the heart of it, the heart aspect, not just the genetics and the satellite tracking, which we did, but really um, the humanity, the dignity. Um, if there's no dignity, there's no, there's no hope. And I like to say now, I think I have more developed understanding um, or better language to describe what we were doing. Um, But emotional wellness or emotional health is the basis of sustainability. And let that sink in. Uh, If your organization is not emotionally healthy, forget it. Uh, If your government is not emotionally healthy, forget it. If your business is not emotionally healthy, it is not sustainable. Our approach has focused primarily on uh, the economic uh, the ecological and sometimes the educational value of a healthy ocean, all very important. The economics, of course, big, you know, the Center for the Blue Economy, very important thinking. Uh, the ecological aspect, super important, obviously. And education is important, but we leave out the emotional part. And the reason we leave it out is because we've undervalued it. And the reason we undervalue it is because we have systematically undervalued it. You're supposed to check the emotional stuff at the door. You know, it's all supposed to be anti-emotional. That doesn't work. Uh, we are emotional beings, and we're not alone. Your, your pet dog is an emotional being. Um, birds are emotional beings. Uh, every living organism has emotion to some degree. The challenge is we have to do it sooner rather than later. We have, you know, we're, we're here, we're in the greenhouse century. Uh, you know, the, the climate is altering the physical nature of the ocean. It's, it's circulation, it's temperature, it's chemistry, it's color. So I'll throw the inevitable question. How hopeful are you that this transformation can happen in a timely manner? Well, I've seen what we've done with Blue Mind in a decade and I'll just, you know, put it out there. Our, our budget was two, has been $2,000 a month for 10 years. That makes me, it's sort of depressing to say that out loud, but it makes me very optimistic. So we've, we've accomplished, as you said, maybe it's a global movement. We've reached a billion people on a budget of $2,000 a month. Okay, what if we had $4,000 a month? I think we'd do a little more. And, you know, that... So that's one, one, my, my small contribution to the conversation is I well, uh, would like Blue Mind to be common knowledge. I would like the things that Vicki understands in her community in Colorado 
and that you understand in California, David, you wrote a book that says that you were saved by the sea. That's the title. And it's a beautiful book. It's very personal. But you can't say you were saved by the sea unless you were saved by the sea uh, and be convincing. And so if the sea can save you and it has saved me and it's saved Vicky and it's saved many of our friends in many ways, why don't we talk about that clearly as professionals, as scientists, as leaders? Why is that not part of our mission statement? There's a lot of people who need saving right now in very in many different ways, uh, including our first responders, our frontline healthcare workers, our at-risk youth, kids and families dealing with autism. So I'm optimistic because there's this big idea that I just put a name on called Blue Mind. You can call it whatever you want. doesn't matter that when it becomes common knowledge, when it's taught as part of our K through 12 education, soon, I hope, uh, will transform healthcare and conservation. It just will. So that gives me optimism, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Now to to paraphrase my friends at the Coast Guard, you've been doing more with less. So (laughs) if people want to uh, help out either financially or just to get more information, how do they get in touch? Uh, I'm easy to find. If you just Google Blue Mind in my name, you'll find um, lots of information. I encourage people, uh, wherever you are, really wherever you are in the world, uh, are the local schools teaching Blue Mind to the kids? If not, make sure there's a copy of the book in their library or link them to the videos. It's free. You know, there's so much free stuff available make sure your local first responders understand that burnout is not an option, that they need to jump in their lake, in the river, in the ocean, daily if they can, but certainly weekly, to just keep their head in the game. We need them. We've proven, the science has proven, that red mind uh, doesn't solve problems. So when we're angry, anxious, fearful, we have a fight or flight response, very, very useful. It's very useful. It is not sustainable. It will burn you out. And we've all felt that burnout. And I see it all around us. Uh, young people, young activists, Greta Thunberg, she lost 20 pounds. She's so stressed. Almost didn't make it. She got sick because of her stress. We cannot do that to our leaders. It does not work. We are not at our best at solving problems creatively, collaboratively, courageously in red mind mode, certainly not in gray mind mode. But we keep thinking that that's the mode that's gonna work. So we yell louder, we get more pissed off, we get more divisive, and we don't solve problems. So the powers that be would probably love us to stay in red mind mode permanently and solve no problems. And so, you know, just on a very personal level, that we had a cedar tub on our deck is, is no longer. And when my kids started getting to the age where they stopped kind of telling me what was going on in their world, you know, I'd say, how was your day? They say, fine. I say, what'd you do? They say, nothing. Uh, we started taking ritual evening soaks in the tub. And if it was raining, we'd get in and they would talk. They'd open up. We'd have conversations. We'd reconnect just by sitting in warm water together. So it works for your family. It works for your friends. Uh, it works for your team. Uh, I don't think we can all get in a hot tub together as a nation. Maybe we should try that someday. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, there's a different kind of thinking that happens when we're in nature together. So speaking of big stress, when, when is the first time you got to the water after you lost your home earlier this month? Uh, immediately. Yeah. Immediate. I mean, not, not that night. I was in 
that was fight or flight mode. And I was right. not thinking, I was performing uh, an escape. I was not thinking broadly or clearly or creatively about my wellness or really very much at all. But I had to go to the water. There was a time, that, a time period where I didn't know. I, I would have placed a bet that the house burned, but I didn't know. And nobody was able to get in there. Things were just so hot and still burning, um, inaccessible. So I had that fear of losing everything in the unknown, which is just torture. So yeah, straight to the ocean. You know, it buys you a little bit of clarity in a way. Uh, it turns out it's also largely free uh, as long as our beaches stay accessible and we don't trash the place. It's, uh, it's our best medicine. And I, you know, I wrote a book about that and then I, it was put to the test uh, last week in a big way. I just want to say that I'm really so sorry for your loss, Jay, and what you have given all of us through Blue Mind and that very specific way to connect into our ocean, our water, no matter where we live, is absolutely critical. And I just want to thank you so much for keeping us in that mindset. And hopefully that strength will stay with you as you are grappling with your next steps. Um, just a lot of love to your family and your neighbors and our ocean community. Yeah, I would say my request, if people are, you know, like how can they help? If you have a blue marble, please, please, please give it to someone that you wanna say thank you to as soon as you hear this. If you have two, it might be a little easier to give one away, but just pass it on. That's, that's the design. Gratitude is so easy and it's free and it really does help, you know. A thank you like you mean it, a well-placed thank you to the people who are working hard for our blue marble home, um, you know, just pass it on to someone. Listen to Rising Tide, the Ocean Podcast, to hear more amazing people who work on, in, and under, as well as play, explore, research, and protect our salty blue marble planet. Rising Tide is a production of Blue Frontier with hosts David Helberg and support from Natasha Benjamin, Ellie Curlow, and myself, Vicki Nichols Goldstein. Rising Tide's editing services and additional technical support are provided by Studio Kate May of San Diego, California. The theme song is written and performed by Ethan Kenbarg. If you'd like to advertise on Rising Tide, contact us at info at bluefront.org. If you have suggestions for guests or topics, you can also contact us via info at bluefront.org. You can find Rising Tide, the ocean podcast at www.bluefront.org or download it anytime from Apple, Google, or Spotify. Off in the salty ocean, off where the waves roll free. The sparkling water rises, then crashes to the sea. Out amongst the breakers, you'll have no need to fear. It's true, it's the blue frontier. Tear, tear. Off in the salty ocean, off to the blue frontier. Sparky, come here, buddy. Sparky, there you are. Good boy, Sparky.